0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. We are here for episode 105 with Mitch Rotolo. And we are in a new year, 2022. If you're watching this, we are streaming the show now. We are live across multiple channels. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitch. And you can find us on Facebook like in the olden days. We are out here at Louisiana Technology Park in the Falia Focus Studio. I am excited for what the new year brings. We've got new website been redeveloped. A whole bunch of new stuff happened while I was off with my wife having our first child. So, took two months off. Glad that happened. I'm glad to be back in this seat. Glad to be back in a studio recording. I'm excited. We are already booked up well into March at this point. We're about to be fully booked for March. So that is even more exciting that people are still aware the show is around after four years and are still eager to come on the show. So with that, we're going to get this show kicked off with Mitch Rotolo. And as you can see, we're still rocking the lovely sponsor brought to you by Government Taco. Go check them out um, if you're ever on the side of Government and Jefferson. And without further ado, Mitch, welcome to the studio. Welcome to 2022 of the Patty G Show
1: pretty awesome nice place i'm impressed
0: thank you i am i'm excited to see how this studio holds up it looks killer it sounds killer
1: you were telling me this is the first show here
0: you are the first show not only here but for the year so you're the you're kicking us off all right no
1: pressure at all (laughs) my my best style
0: (laughs) (laughs) perfect so and this is your first vodcast episode right is
1: that what it's called
0: video podcast got it all
1: right yes that's true this would be my first
0: so podcast is just you know the people that just record audio and all that that's that was too that was too lame for us we wanted to go all out with video and audio so yes I, right. the technical well. term is vodcast um so i also forgot to start my timer um so mitch who are you man what do you What do you do? Who are you, and what do you do? Why uh, are you here?
1: I'm a pretty simple guy. I just sell pizza for a living and uh, have fun doing it. Um, enjoy what I do. I had a great time doing it, and found a way to make a living at it. And so I just keep doing more of it. I love it. And
0: so do you own Rotolo's Pizzeria. I do, and Rotolo's Craft and Crust. That's correct. So how many locations do y'all have now?
1: We've got 29 locations. Um, it's been a great Great time, great company. Uh, we started right here in Baton Rouge. Started in 1996. Uh, we're in four states, uh, growing um, as fast as we can, as fast as we want to, without putting too much pressure on our people and um, what we currently are doing. So it's uh, we're opening a store in Spring, Texas, north of Houston, in uh, April of this year. And we'll open in East Memphis, our first Tennessee market, uh, in May of this year. So, that'll keep us pretty busy for the first six months of the year, and then we'll reevaluate what's next. That's exciting. So, Tennessee is the the newest state y'all are going into? It is. We've got four stores in Texas now. Okay. And so, not in Houston. um, But so, it's a big market for us, so we really got to do it right. We're taking our time and doing the right thing. We're building a ground up location. Um, So, uh, that's exciting for us because it's what I would rather do than what some of our smaller locations are. And then in East Memphis, we're in a uh, about a five thousand square foot space, which again is the Craft and Cross model is a bit bigger than what we would call our legacy brand that people know here in Baton Rouge. Craft and Cross is is what we're building in all our new markets.
0: Very nice. So how did how, how did you you get to these twenty you know twenty something locations over it's the just years? in ninety six, like
1: how did you? <laughs> well, what's what's the origin story for uh, you? We got there because I'm just getting old. I think it's just what you do, right? So, just over time, uh, like I said earlier, I I really enjoy what I do. It's kind of funny to say that. Um, It's never a task, it's stressful at times, it's hard at times, it's difficult. But uh, we started in '96 right outside the gates of LSU. Um, At the time, I had a a pizza shop that sold beer and pizza. Uh, What more do you need? We had draft beer and craft beer in the 90s, which was kind of cool. There really wasn't credit card transactions, it was all cash. People don't have cell phones and cameras. And so you really had to work at your clientele and your customer base. And, and I had fun doing it. It was it was a blast. I really enjoyed it. And then I realized, okay, I either got to go get a real job or turn this into a real business. And so I said, let's open another store. And so we opened a second location in Baton Rouge in 2000. And um, it wasn't a hit at first. It took some time to figure it out because it was in the suburbs, a little bit different customer than, than the Tigerland crowd after uh, – a Tigerland, crowd's real easy to get into. It's, it's an easier crowd to attract. I will tell you that. That is true.
0: Late hours, um, greasy
1: pizza. <laughs> hey, pizza, beer, and college students. You, it's if you can't make it, then you don't. You shouldn't be doing anything. Um, so you were right at the gates of LSU. We were in Tigerland. Okay, at the gates of Tigerland. Yeah, so uh, really, not really at the gates, but more on where their college life was in the nineties. A, a lot of things happened in the 90s. LSU football was on a comeback. We had just hired Donnardo. LSU baseball was in a, you know, they won four or five championships in a in a 10-year in a window. So LSU sports were, were on the map. Um, so it was a cool time to be doing what I was doing. And um, I had fun doing it. So it was kind of an easy, easy in the sense of it wasn't the, the hours weren't the problem. I was never worried about the hours or what I had to do to make it happen. Um, it just was, uh, I had fun doing it. Yeah, it was that, that, that
0: thing that entrepreneurs always love is the fact that you can do something you love, and it doesn't feel like you're working,
1: right? You just have a passion for what Sometimes you're doing. Sometimes it feels like you're working, <laughs> uh, but you do have a passion for it. I, I didn't mind working the nights, the weekends, and everything I was involved in. It, it really didn't bother me to be, uh, you know, when I'm 24 years old, 25 years old, working nights and weekends, everybody else is going out having fun, and I'm the guy hosting the party for them, so to speak, right? Right. So to me, that was just as entertaining as being at the party. Um and they all paid me to do it. That So it's it's they're losing money. I'm making money. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're all at the same place at the same time. And you're, so you're all having it fun. Was, uh, it was a win. Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: when did you, because I've heard in the restaurant industry, it the hardest transition is going from one to two. So when did you know, hey, let's try to open a second store? Was there something that you are like, we're outgrowing this place, or you just got to the point where people were saying, I
1: wish you were here? All the above, a little bit of everything. Um, I guess it was more me. I really wanted to try it outside of the college market and see if it was something that I really wanted to make a career out of. So in 2000, I opened a store on Corsi Boulevard. Um, And, again, it wasn't instant. It wasn't like you can't just go do it and it happens. It does take a lot of effort um, and a lot of time and money. And um, So... A lot of times, my employees made more money than I do, and people don't realize that. It's like you're just everything I make. I got to put back in the business. You got to buy equipment. You have to keep expanding. So um, it took a long time to get to the, the the phase where you get a little bit more breathing room. But I didn't mind it because I just really enjoyed it. I really liked what I did. So one to two was tough because it's hard to. Because
0: at that point, you're like, I mean, you're, how do you reproduce yourself, your, right? right. You, and you're splitting you can't your time. clone yourself,
1: right? So, so you, I, I don't know how and when and where I learned whatever it is that I know, but. You know, I, I do try to reclone myself through the people that we work with. I try to get them to see the vision, see the light, see it how what what would Mitch do kind of thing, and 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 enjoy the jobs themselves. And and if they can have a passion for it and understand that at the end of the day, what the expectation is, then everything works, right? That's hope. I don't I don't fire anybody. <laughs> if you don't want to work here, I'm okay with that. If you don't want to follow the rules, I'm okay with that. Right. Nobody needs to be fired. It's not a confrontational position. We sell pizza for a living. Keep it as you know. It, you don't like it, if you don't you don't wanna be with our group, then I'm okay with that. That's doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's just but anyway, one to two is difficult. It's um, you know, and then going past that is probably a little bit more difficult because then it requires infrastructure. You know, I right. can you can work out of your car from one to two, one to two, <laughs> you can go back and forth, right? But you get to three and four and all of a sudden you gotta have an office. You need an accounting team, you know. That's a whole different animal. That's not running a restaurant. I'm an operator, I can run kitchen i can run a team i can run a store but my job kind of converted to running a company which is a bigger transition to a guy like me than to then to someone who's trained to run a company who then has to go run a restaurant it's i did the reverse role i was yeah. running a restaurant had to learn how to run a company
0: yeah because you're at, at first you're like let's get the menu right
1: let's get the let's get the seating right yeah, let's get that's everything the easy straight part, believe it or not yeah <laughs> people think it's hard that's the easy part <laughs> the, the other side it's hard to run the other side
0: yeah, they're running the other side of okay. Now I've got to make sure that we've got payroll set up for multiple people, and yeah, I can't be there all the man. time. Like you payroll feel like used
1: to be easy, you know. I just make a phone call. Hey, so, <laughs> you know, it was, in the '90s, you could do a lot of different stuff. Now it's it is truly we we have a very good corporate structure. And I'm I'm very happy where we are, but but how we got there, it was a learning curve, like something I'd never been involved in before. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I never had a job in that field. I didn't know what I was getting myself into until I was in it.
0: So you just that was your first job out the gate was just opening yeah. Rotolos or there was something yeah. beforehand. No, I, I heard through I, the through I, the grapevine there was some some bike trading that occurred as a kid. Look, when, you, <laughs> when you're young, you got you got to figure out how
1: to make deals, right? Uh, you know, trading roller skates, trading bicycles, trading dirt bikes, and trading parts for a go kart. I mean, cutting grass and making scraps and I I cut grass. That's what we did for a living. You know, we we were. I, I mean, that was that's kind of my my, my favorite thing to say. You got to learn how to trade bicycles. If you could do that. And as you get older, you can learn to evolve how to make a deal. What's the, What does a deal look like? How do you craft a, you know, what's good for me, good for you, kind of back and forth. And that's how you make a deal. Yeah, I was
0: 11 years old when my brothers and I started our lawn company. Yeah. My oldest brother had just turned 16. My parents let us use the lawn cutting equipment we had. And we would go all summer long and just cut grass nonstop. And as an 11-year-old, it was
1: both tiring but also it was exciting because you got that fire built in you, right? I cut grass. From probably that age till probably 22, 23, when I really got serious in the restaurant business, and I, at at in my twenties, you in, as a young man, you can make good money as a you know, as you build it up. I had a great client list. I had a great lawn company, um, and that kind of stemmed from just being a kid. Yeah, I really knew what I wanted to do next, right? Um, and so I grew into being in the restaurant business. That,
0: that's what I that's what I tell people. They say, "What's the easiest?" Or not? Not what's the easiest. What's a good first business to get in to get started if you're, you know, want to start off an entrepreneurship? I so, said, well, are you okay with working outside in the heat? Yeah, that's fine. Lawn care, mm-hmm. like it's so long as you are nice to your customers, you charge reasonable rates, and you can get hands on your hands on the equipment. It is a good business because, like you said, it grows over time, and if you treat your customers well, just like within the restaurant business, it they'll come. You back.
1: Just about everything you need to know, you can learn i running a lawn business.
0: 100%. I would go door-to-door door in, rest, in uh, subdivisions. I'd walk down the street. Hey, we just cut Miss Susan's yard. You want us to cut your right. yard as well? We come here once a week. We'll add it to the block. Here's what we charge because all your yards are the same. And then I had a friend of mine who cut grass all the way until he got married and started working at uh, his full, a full-time job, was all the way through college. He put himself through college by just cutting grass. Sure. And that's he only did it in four or five months, months out of the year. It. And
1: people today are still doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's how, especially as a young, you know, guy, when you turn 16. Same thing in the
1: bar and restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Servers and, and waitstaff, they're, they're many entrepreneurs. They really are treating their section, their tables, their customers as their customers. Because they are tipped employees. So they get paid off of their level of service, their attention to detail, how they do things. And I try and tell them that this is your business when you're here. Right. You're paying your way through college. And a lot of them make more money in the restaurants than they do when they graduate <laughs> college. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, because you're, work- you're working for those tips, and especially if you've got some people that you have, they fall in love with you as a server, and they come back just to see you, you know, they come back sure, to socialize with yeah. you, then as a server, you're like, that just, you know, it's got to make you feel good, and, you know, then you start figuring out, okay, maybe if I say, you know, they, didn't, they want a dessert tonight, maybe if I give them, like, a half-off dessert, and you start getting, you know, you start working the system, hey, what can I do to keep these people coming back? Time and time again, yeah, I totally agree. It, it teaches it you sales.
1: It, it teaches it teaches a lot when you... I think everybody should be in some sort of service industry as a young person. 100%. It gives kids a, a sense of work ethic. It gives them a, a sense of pride in earning something and just going forward. And it's kind of funny because I got a kid at home I need to go get a job. And it's like, <laughs> you can't do that much. It's like, you, I, w- I want to push him out the door. But at the same time, it's like, I, I appreciate what he's doing. You know, I got a junior in high school who plays football. He loves what he does. And... Um, it's hard to break the cycle, but it's like you got to go do stuff, right? It, you
0: got to get uh, out there. You got to be active. I mean, I was—I hadn't turned 16 yet, and I started my first busboy job at Roberto's River Road Restaurant. That's awesome. And I worked there for I think four years, just bussing tables Fridays and Saturdays. Every Friday and every Saturday, I was bussing tables. My friends were hanging out and look doing at things. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? It's, oh, I lo- and I loved it because all that tip money, I would not spend a single dollar in tips. I would just put it in a legit—I had a shoebox that I would just put all my tip money in. and never touched it, and I would just live off of my—I mean, I still live with my parents. I'm paying for my gas, movies every now and again, and I'm cutting grass on the week, on the weekdays, and I'm bussing tables in the evenings. So it was not like I needed the tip money. And then yeah. sure enough, whenever I turned 17 years old, I bought my first vehicle, cash money, and it was like one of the most proudest days of my life at that point in time because like, Dad, I'm buying a vehicle. Can you take me to go— you know, get a jeep, and we had looked at probably twenty of them. But that that final one I found and fell in love with. It was nice to know, the work I had done up until that point was paying for this. You know, I didn't I that's didn't what have. I call, that's what
1: I call trading bicycles. That's that's, that's, the, right. that's the the mentality of it. So
0: I didn't I didn't have to ask anybody. Hey, can I borrow some money to go and buy mm-hmm. my vehicle? It was I'd worked up enough and saved enough, and it teaches you at that age to save and not you know spend everything you get. Because you know you're not going to get it for another two weeks if you're living off just your paycheck, and, and so it took
1: you six months to get there. You know you're not going to get it for another six months, right? <laughs> exactly for a for a big purchase, yeah. yes.
0: And then you get you just get more creative. I mean, I, I as time went on, I just started dabbling in more and more things. And it sounds like you kind of did the same thing until one day, like, where was it? Just like an epiphany moment? You said I want to open a pizza shop, or no, no. Like how a, did, how did you get to it's, it's, to just wanting funny, to open a it's pizza a funny shop? Story, but,
1: um, had a friend that had, and, and so the, the story is that we opened in 96. That was the first Rotolo's, and that's actually technically true, but not all the way there. I right. um, had a friend that owned a bar in New Orleans, and I'm 22 years old, and he had a kitchen that was not being used. Waldo's Bar in the corner of Fret and Broadway, right by Tulane and Loyola University. And anybody who's from that area knows the market, knows where that bar is. And he had a kitchen that wasn't being used. And Mardi was coming, I said, let me open a kitchen here and, we went back and forth, and finally he just said, "Yeah, whatever, go ahead." So I did. I opened a little pizza shop in the back of this bar. So like you like knew how to make pizzas? Yeah, well, I guess not really. <laughs> Again, <laughs> like I didn't how do you learn how to make into. pizza? I wasn't really sure. <laughs> where, uh, where,
0: where, where you like YouTube wasn't as heavy as it was yeah, back then. No, like, How did you learn how to make it, a pizza? It wasn't.
1: Um, there was. It wasn't YouTube. I had a. Uh, I had a couple of friends, and I had a a, a, a guy that was in the food industry kind of helped me make some dough, and so we had some fun. Like it was all about just doing what we did, right? And we would deliver. We would deliver on bicycle to the dorms because they were right there it was you couldn't drive there we could get bicycle faster you could drive there that's genius so this was in 1994 and we had a pizza shop in waldo's bar and we were only open at night cause that's when the bar was open and the college kids were out and about yeah and so i was cutting grass during the day running my my regular life and routine and um uh we were making dough had this little thirty quart mixer. And this is this is as funny as this is how my whole life is kind of comes back to reality. But I had this little mixer and it was a thirty quart dough mixer, and we were making dough two and three times a day. Because so we had to keep making dough to make pizza, right? So you like, I needed a bigger mixer. You like guilt tripped
0: your friends into making dough while you were cutting almost, grass?
1: Almost. <laughs> uh, I needed a bigger mixer, so I had to get a newspaper and look in the classifieds which people don't know what that is, but we didn't have internet, right? It was yeah. we had a so I look in the class and I see this sixty quart mixer for sale. Call the guy up and it's in Baton Rouge. So I drive the Baton Rouge to look at this mixer. It was in my price range. It was used. It's all I could afford. It's what I needed. And I walk in and it was in Tigerland at the time. Senior Frogs had just closed. It was in Senior Frogs. And I said, What are y'all doing with this place? He said, oh, we're gonna lease the place out, it's, it's available for rent. I went, Oh, okay. I went back home. I said, Man, that, that was pretty interesting. So you, did you did you buy the mixer? Not that day. <clears throat> okay. Just uh, just just look
0: at the mixer and it turns out you were. I don't think
1: I had the money to buy the mixer. I was pretty close, maybe. So I thought maybe I could get a discount on it. So I drove up there, and I saw the space, and I went back home to my shop, and I'm like doing what I'm doing, and I didn't have any alcohol sales. I didn't have any soda sales. All I had was the food. I didn't get any of the ancillary business that goes with it. And the liquor law was changing, and I said, well, the liquor law goes to 21. College bars are going to get squeezed, so I might get squeezed out. So I went back to Baton Rouge, and I leased the building that the mixer was in in 1996. And that's how Rotolo started in Tigerland in 1996. That's where it's, gets his shoes come. So and that mixer, I still use today. I still have that same mixer.
0: So you went to, le- to purchase a mixer, uh-huh. ended up saying, you know what,
1: forget it. I'll lease the <laughs> building. Well, let's just lease the building. I did. And I leased the building. And that mixer was in that building. It stayed in the building. And that was in December, January of 95, early 96. We opened in June of 96 that year. That was a fast turnaround. Well, we didn't do much to the place because
0: I said you like, like, just like hang up posters with the logo. Much, yeah, we we we, we painted <laughs> cover there. We, we hand painted it. We
1: hand did whatever we we, we begged, borrowed, and stole, and just kind of put it together as best we could, and um, uh, opened up. It was it already had a kitchen, it already had a bar, so it wasn't a whole lot to do. Some licensing, some permits, inspections, kind of left it as is, and just made it work. And then over the next few years, as we had revenue, we fixed it up a little nicer, and a little nicer, and. Um, we had a good craft beer selection. We talked earlier about, you know, uh, we had early adoption to craft beer, which is kind of cool to our brand. And um, probably ninety eight, ninety nine, 98, 99, we expanded our beer menu. I think we had uh, 36 craft beers in the early 90s, which was unheard of. And so um, that kind of early adoption, I think, helped our brand kind of blossom. All these other bars were either pool halls or dance bars. We had a lot of the, the casual Food and sitters. You come into a pizza parlor, you drink beer, and have fun, mingle with your friends. You know, we didn't have a lot of music. We didn't have dance floors, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just a We did have pizza a patio. Place. We had yeah. some parties. We had things to, to, to use the space we had, but for the most part, it was a pizza parlor that sold beer and pizza. That's it. That's it.
0: Well, Were your friends kind of like, Upset that you were moving from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, like where the, the clientele you're riding bikes oh, to, it, like it, were they uh, saying, nobody How "Are you gonna to ride your to bike from Baton Rouge to New Orleans now?"
1: Nobody wanted to talk to me. It was like uh <laughs> they all thought I was crazy. It was like, you, 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 "What are you doing? I mean, you can't just move to Baton Rouge and open a restaurant." I'm like, why not? Why not? It's just I, I didn't know that you couldn't do that until they said you can't do it, and by then it was too late. I was already committed. See, I
0: think it. At that point in time like if you were to ask a room full of people you could weed out the true entrepreneurs versus the ones that are doing it because it's cool where if you say you live in new orleans you went to look at a machine to bring back to new orleans and all of a sudden you uprooted your entire business and moved cities because there was a space that worked i mean how many people would actually do that i don't know it was kind of crazy like I wouldn't do it like today. It's, it's exactly. Like would you right? would you redo uh, it if no, you're you were doing everything you all over again? And, 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 and I told and, you and, go start and, in Shreveport
1: and, or something. And, and really the, even, it really, even makes that even more crazy is that that was my first trip to Baton Rouge ever. Wait, so hold look up. at that mixer. Hold I had never up. been to Baton Rouge. I didn't go to hold LSU. Up.
0: So you never? I grew up at the
1: high school in New Orleans. I was a West Banker. I like you
0: never uh, even <laughs> just went to LSU for like football game tailgate nothing.
1: Never been to a football game, and went look. I looked at these four bars around here and the space that was mine which was the fifth place nobody served food and it was just college kids everywhere riding the bus kids everywhere i said this looks just like tulane just like Viola like this would work so i can have the full bar i already knew what i could do on the food side so i, I was confident i didn't, had no issues
0: and you're 23 24 at the time i was
1: 24
0: yeah. 24 wow i
1: don't know <laughs> it just
0: like it, it blows because i'm thinking back you know if I was to go to a foreign city and have no idea where anything was, I don't know if I could even feel remotely comfortable oh, I got getting, lost getting a, getting a like, yeah. I, I mean, got lost, do <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, that just is, is absolutely crazy. And then it was successful. Like, was there ever a point where you thought it was not going to work? No.
1: Why would you think that?
0: Like, I don't know, Sales were sl- sales ever slow? Like, was that you know, model we, ever we, we, disproven? We opened, so,
1: we opened in midsummer summer
0: Okay. Um, which is probably, which is probably the, the
1: best time to open. Because we were able to get some people in, hire the right people, and just, well, we hired a great team. I I can tell you, right from the beginning, I had great people that worked for me. Football season started, had no idea what I was in for. And, I mean, again, selling beer and pizza in LSU in the 90s was not difficult. So, um, no, I didn't think it wouldn't work. It was always, it's going to be successful. I, like there I wouldn't say that. It was never a thought. How successful or what I need to do? I, I, I never measured it that way. I said I need to do this. This is what I want to do, and just make it happen. Right.
0: And so whenever you went and looked at that building first, and you knew you want to move to Baton Rouge, did you ever think that it would be a franchise model, or were you just looking no, solely was, at wasn't there single yet. location?
1: I wasn't there yet. This this point, it was let's let's see how this works for me. Right. This is something I figured I'd do this a couple of years. So I figured out what I wanted to do in my life, where I was going to go, how I was going to grow up and make a living at at that age i was still 24 i was still kind of like okay had a bunch of people that moved to lsu that went to lsu but i had never been so um so it wasn't hard at that age it it was no risk right what what am i gonna risk
0: yeah that's that's what i keep telling people in their their low 20s you know you don't have much at all to risk there's there's nothing i could have lost like there's you know you know it's just you you don't have you know you don't have a family you don't have kids to worry about you don't yeah. have a house payment you don't know, have a mortgage you know it's just you and well, yourself well, one of my
1: motivating factors is I did have a kid early which is why I didn't go to college because I was always on the hustle working ah. so I had had I already had one and was like okay I got to make this work so that was part of the motivating factor but um I just have always been doing what I wanted to do I love that so if you do what you want to do you learn how to make a living at it that's pretty fun yeah only answering to, like, yourself. No, you got to answer to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that easy, but, uh, but it's true. You have to answer everybody. I want everybody to know. I'm, I'm, I, I That's how you build that team. I'm, I do like to have that team around that knows what they're doing. My, my work hours today are, I probably work similar number of hours in some sense or another, but not physically in the stores. I'm not working in the store anymore, but, um, but it does. It's how, you, how do you build that team and that culture that, that makes any business work. Right, and how do you know, you
0: know, when you can trust people to go and open a new store and take it over for you? You know, what is that? Now that you're you're at the point where you're franchising these restaurants, is there a, a process or a, a mindset you go in when you talk to somebody that says, "I want to franchise your store"?
1: Sure, it's uh, I mean, it's our brand, it's our name, right? It's 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 probably the most important asset I have is the brand and the name, right? So, we go into a new market and a new franchisee who doesn't treat it like we treat it it changes everybody else's perception of the brand, too. So it's not just me. It's all the existing franchisees you have to protect. So there's a lot, of, there's a lot at stake there. Um, and it's a lot of trust, but verify type stuff. Um, nobody can just have a franchise. You don't just give them away. It's got to be somebody that you really want to be involved with. Um, it's a lot like a marriage. I mean, a franchisee is somebody I'm going to deal with every day for the next 20 years, right? So right. We got to get along. We got to, you know, we got to align in visions. We don't, I don't have to like you per se, but I can't not like you, right? So um, our livelihoods are attached. I'm gonna know your wife, your kids, your family. I'm gonna watch them grow up, and we've got franchisees now that are, been with me for, 15 years, and I know pretty much everything about them. Um, so it, it is a, it is a trust, but you have to, you have to have light-minded in the sense of, they have to have my interest. And if they have my interest, then I'll have their interest. And that's how I think all business deals have to come together one way or another. Right. And a franchise to. model is different than a partnership. Right. And
0: so do you all have like a, a franchise class. I know a lot of franchise stores will have classes and settings that they have to put them through. Like you got to go work in a restaurant for so many. Oh, definitely. So long yeah. a time. You have to go to a certain amount of training courses, et cetera, et cetera. What's the, I guess, for someone who's interested in becoming a franchisee of Rotolos, what does that process look like for them?
1: Well, it's, it's, it probably takes, if people don't realize, it probably takes a year or more to go from I want to open a franchise to almost opening your store. The process is, one, you have to understand what you're getting into. It's, it's not just a financial commitment because a lot of people have money. A lot of people have ac- ac- access to, ac- uh, to to cash, but they don't want to do what it takes, right? Um, I'd rather take the, the, the manager who's working at a concept like a, a Chili's, a, a Buffalo Wild Wings, who's... Who's really a good at his job and help that person become a franchisee because they're going to work for it. They're going to they're going to do it like I did it, right? They're going they're going to want to do it the hard way, versus having somebody who's got a bunch of money. They'll just invest in it. If they don't like it, they'll just move on. And I, I can't. We don't want to do that as a brand. So there's definitely a, it's about eight week training, in our stores with our team. Um, site selection is probably the most important piece of that. How do you get to your right site? And uh, there's a lot of data and a lot of research and a lot of gut feeling goes into that kind of stuff um and then obviously you have to have the financing to, to go through it and then we start opening your restaurant you got to build it out and construction today is not like it was in 96 <laughs> you don't just go out and, and open up no. uh, I wouldn't allow somebody to do what I did um i think there's a lot there's there's a couple of restaurants that come
0: to mind concepts that started in 96 and i'm sure oh yeah did a lot of stuff on their own and just has got a good a
1: good uh, to say 90, restaurant 96 must have
0: been the year for restaurant and entrepreneurs to open their locations, especially around yeah. campus. Like, Cane's was open right Canes. there in 96.
1: Y'all open in 96. Walk-On's, I think, was 97. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they got quite a few. Now, all Cane's sells is chicken. I mean, who nobody wants to own that, right? <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb concept, yeah. right? I mean, it's just a, they don't have any dishes. They don't <laughs> wash anything. There's no busboys. There's no table service. I mean, really? Who wants to do that? It's all to-go packaging.
0: Well, 600 locations later it's kind of hard six hundred yeah kind of hard kind of like hard to say it doesn't work a couple <laughs> billion in sales I don't know uh, yeah so yeah. but where what was the decision like kind of going into hey we want to franchise this going from I want to own you know each store to let's see it was it just like let's expand our reach further or did somebody approach you say hey Mitch I love the concept how can I get involved
1: a, a, a little bit of both really what happened for me was uh, when Katrina hit um, devastated new orleans as bad as it did i was here and all my family was still in new orleans and so going back trying to just do whatever you can with that uh a few weeks after katrina the city was just such and i'm say the city meaning the whole metro from you know not just new orleans but the west bank shell uh new orleans east all that area was just hit so hard that it just was a clean slate it's like you could pick and choose and take any property you wanted buy it build it grow it if the customers were there mm-hmm. so um I got pretty lucky when Katrina hit. Back to my trading bicycle days, you know. Um I was uh, uh at a restaurant on Jefferson Highway. This is just again back how my life works and people say are oh, you so lucky this night? No, it's, it's nothing to do with it. It's just you just if you keep doing the right things over and over again things just happen, right? It's just that's just the way I see it.
0: When it's also looking for the opportunities, right? It is. You it's, have to it, look it and is, see it is
1: opportunity everywhere. I don't right. care who you are This opportunity. So so after Katrina, we had all this food in a restaurant on Jefferson Highway. Um, in Jefferson, Louisiana, right out, right off by the Huey Long Bridge. And this, uh, the, the uh, Jefferson Parish Police Station was decimated by Katrina. So they had taken over the Saints training camp and were headquartered and out of the Saints training camp, which is right down the street from where the restaurant was. So we're cleaning the restaurant. We had water and we had gas. We had no power. So we literally, we cooked all this food with the gas that we had at the restaurant and gave it to the, the cops at the police station because they had nothing needed. There was no restaurant. There was nothing anywhere. So we just cooked all the pasta and just cooked all of the chicken and just, you know, it was three or four days after Katrina. The freezers were still frozen, but we had to get rid of all this food because we weren't going to be closed for quite a while. So we're in there cleaning the restaurant. We just gave whatever we had, we just gave it away. And as I'm delivering all this food to them, this guy comes, hey, can you bring me more food tomorrow? And I said, no, this is all we had. We emptied the freezers yeah. out, whatever. Long one, day, story one, short was one day, one day only. They wanted more food. So I said, so well, I can get it from Baton Rouge. So sure enough, he said, well, bring it to me tomorrow. And that was uh, some high guy out of Texas National Guard had just got on site for Katrina and said, I need to feed these guys, bring me food. So I brought them food the next day. And then that turned into, I did a little bit over a million dollars in revenue in about 40 days after Katrina.
0: Just from feeding the National Guard? Just from
1: the National Guard, City Parish, a couple other outlets. Once we started that, it just kind of grew in. But you couldn't do that without putting yourself out there and out being in that hustle and, and never saying no and just trying to trying to do it. I was doing it for a couple of reasons. One is that I had restaurants that were down and we had people that needed to work. I needed to keep hustling and keep growing my company and and they needed the help. So it was like it just didn't it just didn't get any easier to say yes.
0: And it's 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 a lot harder to sleep at night knowing you dumped an entire restaurant worth of food in a dumpster. Than taking that food and giving sure. it away. Sure.
1: Well, and you talk about canes, and I don't even. And I guarantee you, Todd doesn't know this, but when Katrina hit, I was ordering canes by the sheet pan load from like five different locations and delivering it as part of our catering because we couldn't cook all the food we needed, right? So we had Baton Rouge restaurants helping us make food.
0: They just, did, they really, just didn't know
1: it. Uh, well, they did know it. They knew what it was for. I mean, it, it, we we ordered what we needed to order from any restaurant that would help us get the food out we, uh, we needed. We were serving hot meals three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner post-Katrina. So I had a team of logistics at this point. It wasn't just Rotolo's. We, I, I, it was my contract. I was running it, but we were using everybody we could to get enough food. So whatever they could give us, that we just added to the, the list that day because people were just taking whatever we could get them. Um, so that was part of the process. And that, that gave me enough you know, cash flow at that point to buy my first piece of real estate, which is how I really – which is really was the, the launching pad of Rotolo's. At this point, we were still kind of a little neighborhood, small brand. We had two or three stores. We had one on Jefferson Highway in New Orleans, the one in Tigerland, and the one on Corsi Boulevard. So that was the launching pad to say, okay, we had a little bit of room. I bought two pieces of commercial property, built the building in Prairieville, which is where Rotolo's is, um, and bought another piece of property in Baton Rouge, which is where Rotolo's had moved to. And so those two commercial properties really helped me get the brand. To the next level
0: right and so then and get serious about it and that's when i right. got serious
1: so post katrina had an opportunity i had a little bit of cash I said okay now what do we do with this so i put it all right back in the company yeah real that, estate open stores and that's when i realized okay maybe i got something maybe i can grow this maybe we can franchise this
0: and i think that's also a part that people who look at entrepreneurs and say yeah. oh if they're successful they've got all this money they don't see that no, they, they don't see, see they don't see the point in time where you're sitting <laughs> no. there. Oh, we did a we did a million and 40 days. Excellent. And your instant thought is not I can't wait to buy that yacht. It is I need to go and put this back I don't into think the I bought company. Right, right. It's I need to go and put this all back into the company yeah, no, and it, it, grow this and give yeah. basically juice it up. Give no, it look, give the company yeah. some steroids and push us to the next level. People That's do the not that's have the mentality a
1: clue how an entrepreneur thinks if you don't know how they think. That right. is exactly what you would do with it. And my wife's heard me tell this story, and it's as true as it gets. A guy was one day, and this is a year ago, and the we're, we're, company's doing great. We're, things are good. The world's different now, right? And he's in the kitchen with me one day. He's probably 23, 24 years old. You can tell he's kind of struggling on his own, paying his own rent, getting his way through. And somehow he needs to make more money, and I need to make more money, and I need this or this. this. He goes, you don't have to worry about it, boss. You don't even have to worry about your life, Bill. And I thought about it, I said, you know what? You're right. I don't worry about my life, Bill. I don't even know what I don't even know what it was last month. You know what I worry about? Five hundred people's light bills, five hundred people's rent, five hundred people's card notes. And he looked at me and he said, "I didn't think about it like that." And so it just—that's what I mean by building that culture and that team. Let them know what you're doing and what you're thinking, and they'll—they'll they'll, they'll die on a spigot for you. I mean, people will do. They love. I think people who work for us love working for us. My office—we did a picture a while back, and uh, I don't know what the, the tenure was, but didn't realize, but out of the people in my office, I think the youngest person was two years, but I had seven or eight people in that photo over ten years with our company. And we sold pizza for a living, so I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I think it's kind of cool that we have that um, people like
0: the company. That, that loyalty to the company. Yeah. That loyalty, but that, that comes down to selecting your leaders and being a good leader, right? You know, being a leader that people want to follow and stick around. Because you could have easily said, yeah, yeah, and you're right. I don't have to worry about my light yeah. bill. You know, I built this company. It's great. But you said no. I need I need to have this moment as a teaching moment for this for this individual and say, look, I don't worry about it, but I'm worrying about all of y'all's, making sure y'all can pay y'all's light bills.
1: Well, that's what it comes down to, right? It's right. If I make bad decisions, a lot of other people get affected. So it's not just and, you anymore. And you make bad decisions. I mean, I've closed restaurants. We've had locations didn't work out. I mean, it happens in 25 years of business. It's it's gonna happen.
0: You're gonna run into um, a, a bad deal, or a bad so, decision. Uh,
1: yeah, but it. it so anyway, it, it's a back and forth. So Katrina really launched our brand and. kind of made me realize, okay, I can't only do so much, and franchising was an option, so we explored it, and here we are.
0: And so then how did the
1: Rotolo's Craft and concept come about? Uh, Evolution of the brand, I guess. Um, You know, if you're not growing, you're dying. I do believe that. I think you got to constantly be doing things. Um, I've never been able to stop, slow down, and say, you know, when we started after Katrina, Whatever we had, we reproduced it, and we kept growing it. You know, we opened a lot of restaurants at that point, from two thousand eight or nine post Katrina to two thousand fifteen or sixteen. We probably opened twenty two, twenty three, twenty four restaurants, and I and I had a small staff, you know, support overhead staff. And on top of that, we got we got involved with the Saints, which was a, which was a, a, helped launch our brand post Katrina. We became the official pizza New Orleans Saints, and, and did a, a big Saints contract. Which helped us again in, in some other ways but hurt us in a lot of ways because it was difficult on our staff our people and it was expensive so yeah I man, you gotta you what gotta, you gotta got have in so marketing, much what you got in branding we paid for in cash flow and and taxing our people and and, and it was difficult um but the crafting crust was something so when we really got to a point i said okay let's figure out what we're going to do next and my oldest son was working for us full time he had been in the business and like look we can't just keep doing what we're doing. we got to make the right changes. So we designed the restaurant that we wanted on paper. And we wanted it to be a little different, but we didn't want to have a different brand. We just wanted it to be better than what we were doing. And better is not even the right way to say it because what we do in the pizzerias is fantastic. I love what we're doing. Craft & Cross has the exact same menu that's in the pizzeria, but it just has a few more options. Um, All, like with a different vibe? A totally different vibe. Yeah. Totally different look. Um, it's got a... We're back to, so in the 2000s, the the bar kind of shrunk in Ritolo's. We went a little bit more suburban. This is a little bit more open, Uh, 40 draft beers, 35 draft beers, uh, full-service bar, 25 wine selection, um, full craft pizza menu. When I say craft pizza menu, it is truly an artisan craft. It's not a a, a reproducible product. Every pizza is handmade, made to order as it should be. have fryers in the in the craft and crust which we don't have fryers in our restaurants so we don't do the, the freezer to fryer stuff we don't do that but in the in the craft and crust we did put fryers in so we're doing a we doing a Brussels sprout we got a fried cauliflower um we do a lot of side dishes that go with it so so it's it's the exact same menu in the pizzeria with a few more items and the atmosphere is a little bit more in tune with today's uh today's look right yeah we haven't had is. a facelift in 20 years right <laughs> we, we've been opening restaurants yeah. and And we had the same colors. We had the same furniture. We we just kept ordering the same stuff because we kept opening restaurants. We couldn't stop and and do what we really wanted. And I didn't want to go back and just change the furniture or just paint the walls. So we said, let's stop. Let's build this restaurant over here as we would want to do it. What's our dream model? Yeah. If we could redo it, what would it look like? Not redo it, but just make it for the next 20, 25 years. So everything we're doing now is craft and crust. Okay, so there's no more like Rotolas pizzerias or... Well, we have we have uh, we have plenty of pizzerias, but everything we're opening is crafting.
0: Yeah, crush. that's what I was about to say. There's yeah. no more pizzerias being open. And,
1: and part of the pizzeria is, you know, you go to a new market, you go to Lake Charles or Shreveport or someplace we hadn't been before, and they say, well, "What does Pizza y'all deliver?" What's the? No, I mean they think Ritala's Pizzeria is like a, a del- like pizza, a del- like a delivery place. Whereas Craft and Crush really sold what we did. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a craft kitchen, it's a craft bar, and it's all about the food, right? So um, places we do business, we want to own the pizza market. Uh, the, the burger places can own the burger places. The seafood houses, the best crawfish in town, or the best this, the best that. But where we do business, we want to own the pizza market. We yep. want to be known for the pizza in that place. And you've been successful at it over the last it's 25 well. years. Yeah. You know,
0: things have gone well. Like you like you were saying, you know, you've gotten to the point where you're able to invest in other things. And one of those things that you've invested with as a sponsor of this episode is Currency Bank. Yep. A local bank here in Baton Rouge opened off of Jefferson. Were you, I mean, was it something like you were looking at, or are you at the point now where you're looking for those next investment deals?
1: You know, I am. I'm looking at investment opportunities just like anybody else in business, I guess. Bertolos um, is my core business. Uh, but probably the, the, the next best business model out of Rotolo's was uh, I own a food manufacturing plant that people don't start, even start know going,
0: about. Start going up the chain, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's like, so I own a lot of the real estate we're involved in. So the growth is, to me, it's, we're vertically integrated, and Rotolos is my primary business. Everything revolves around that. So if I don't have Rotolos, I can't have a food manufacturing business that makes 50 products for other companies that people would even know the brands for. Um, I wouldn't own the real estate and have the space that we have for what we're doing. Um, but, yeah, investments outside of Rotolos are um, everybody looks for what's the right opportunity for them and their families. Uh, you know, my wife and I talk about it. We say, what are we going to do? You know, we, we're looking for other opportunities to do stuff. Bertolo has been great to me. It still is my primary business. There's, there's no slowing down on that. But if I have a few extra things to invest in, I mean, Currency Bank was, was kind of a no-brainer for me. Uh, I know most of the team over there. I've been knowing them. They're all Baton Rouge people. Uh, Scott and I have been having a banking relationship and a personal relationship for a long time. And so he told me he was doing this, and I thought it was great and excited for him. So, uh, And I thought it was a great investment. So
0: Yeah, when it, and it goes back to the, the conversation we were having before the episode about Making Baton Rouge a better place, showing the opportunity yeah. that Baton Rouge has. In I mean, Scott came in and got a group of people together and opened up a bank. Yeah, like yeah, who opens a bank? Like right? who? Opens, like and you think about it, like banking is one of like the oldest industries, right? It's like, like you like want you to be would, in a bank? I am like, sure, <laughs> why not? Right? Yeah, like it's you. You think about it. You know, nothing, nothing can change. You know, it's all the same thing. Yeah. You know, cash comes in, cash goes out. You loan it, you charge interest, and that's yeah. how you make your money, right? But it's he was able within Baton Rouge, what some people would say is that you know a concentrated market, there's so many people in here, there's so many different banks, and come in and still find opportunity here and okay. to start a whole new business with a group of people that were local to Baton Rouge and the surrounding areas and wanted to see something like this come into the city. You know, when we were talking before, like, is this kind of phase one of showing people that there's
1: opportunity here? Baton Rouge is, is a very unique town in the sense of it doesn't have the... New Orleans culture, it doesn't have the Lafayette culture, it has its own space. And when I moved to Baton Rouge, I was like, this is a cool little town, right? I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize how big it was until I really got into it. But um, we've got a lot of big industry, a lot of big companies, um, a lot of engineering jobs, a major college, state capital. I mean, there's a a lot of things Baton Rouge could be and should be, in my opinion, taken advantage of that we don't do enough for. There's it's, plenty of business here, there's plenty of opportunity
0: here. Yeah, and it's just you know like with within the show, the main mission is to start showing off some of those people doing the great things and almost being a cheerleader for. Them. Like, hey, sure. look how great these people have found success. There's still opportunity. There's still room for anybody to come in oh, and there's start their business. Of there's there's so much room. It's not full, right? The market's not full. There's always an opening for either an innovation or a this twist on an idea to come in and for people to do things. Like there's no reason for anyone to say, Oh, I can't find opportunity here. Yeah. I just think they're not looking hard enough. That's true. Or create it or make an opportunity. Right. You know, you came in from New Orleans and saw opportunity. <laughs> 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 That's a whole different world. That was like a hundred years ago, I think. I don't know. So was there ever a a decision within Rotolo's or Rotolos Grass and Crust that you did that you kind of
1: wish you hadn't? Um I'm sure there is. Uh like, is there is there, I mean, you would, is there
0: anything you would change over the last 25 years no, in
1: business? No. Because even, even the things that you do wrong, that you screw up, that you, you, you really made a mistake on, it leads you down the path that you're in. So, it, you know, if I, if I didn't do this, where, why wouldn't I, you know, I wouldn't have done that, right? Um, we talked about the Saints briefly, which is a huge part of, of what Rotolos became is, you know. I'm, How did I'm, you get that? I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, when you say, oh,
0: yeah, we're the Nash, we're the – you know the the pizza so, of the Saints. Like, were you just walking down the street and somebody said, "Hey, no, no, I it like got your to, pizza, man. It, Come it, be the it, Saints it, guy." It
1: it, it, it it is a whole nother a whole another series. But um, so after Katrina, when I really wanted to franchise this, um, obviously I was already working out of my pocket, knowing everything I could. I didn't have real good banking relationships. I didn't have any extra cash flow. Um, so I took on a partner to help me bring the brand to the next level. And fortunately, it was the right partner for me at the time. And um, it made a lot of sense, and they had a relationship with the Saints. It was able to introduce me to the right people, and um, you know, to so a company with at the time I think we had six or seven restaurants. That made no sense whatsoever. But knowing that we wanted to grow the brand, it was like, wow, this is a launching pad. So, like you would think, you would need like I a mean, dedicated kitchen just for. We had three kitchens in the Superdome. It was crazy. Okay. It was outrageous. It, it, it was it was it was a logistical. I think Katrina logistics helped me prepare for the Superdome. <laughs> Just the, had, the,
0: the pure chaos. Oh, that was it was Katrina. Terrible. <laughs> uh,
1: You know, the game kickoffs at noon. We're cooking pizzas at 930 in the morning for 10 o'clock sales door open. If they're not cooked and sold by first quarter, then that's it. Halftime, you know, it, it's over with. So, um, but it's a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. day, and you're doing $50,000 in sales in three hours, and you leave the building, and they keep all the money. They keep everything, and it's like you just get to leave. That's all you get. You get to walk out the door, and you got to write them a check for marketing.
0: Wait, so you didn't make any money off the Saints deal? Oh no, no.
1: But we were everywhere. It gave it launched our brand. We took a marketing package that just made sense for the brand. I mean, um, we had access to players for special events. We were doing school literacy program outreach. We had Saints logos and in enlighten us to use. Um, I honestly do believe it helped us grow our brand. Separated me from our competitor. The same the same company that had five or six locations, whether it's a taco, pizza, or chicken shop, it made our brand a little bit more street credibility, I would say, and it allowed us to bring in the next level of stores, and that, that really launched us. So I, that that part it really did help. But we were managing that with our own team. So yeah, you're working Friday and Saturday all, night it was in the all, restaurant. It's all in house. You gotta be in the Sunday, Sunday super- morning, and work a Saints game. Oh, and then Monday's a whole new week. You gotta go back to work. You know, there's, there's no time so off. There is no time off, and so to this day, uh, I think I've been to two Saints games since we left the Saints in. Uh, the and we just left them to attrition. The, it was five years; it'd run same. its course. And and so uh, my wife likes to go to Saints games. I'm like, eh, I really don't want to go. I'm just over the Superdome. I just it's like, <laughs> I love I, I love going to games. I love the spirit of the game, and I love the the, the the atmosphere around it. But I just I'm just over the Superdome. I just it hadn't come back to me yet.
0: So those five years, I mean, that was did you like to vote all your marketing dollars was to the. What, you had to pay the saints oh it and was, the it, staff was, it was and it was way over
1: any kind of budget because I mean, yeah.
0: you're, you're like you got to pay your team you mm-hmm. got to pay their salaries you got to pay for all the supplies and everything yeah, we, we had to buy the covered? groceries yeah
1: we had to pay the labor we had to pay for the groceries pay the labor we use our food and we got a percentage of sales then we got 35 percent of sales okay so, so you got
0: you got something back
1: but it wasn't enough to cover our labor and our, and our team right so we, we lost money on the operation on that day and we had to pay for our marketing plan but it it put the again, it put the product I remember when I was walking around the dome, probably a second game or third game, and you're walking through the seats and it's just, you know, rows of seats and it's trash everywhere, beer cans. You, you used to seeing the same stuff, the Budweiser bottle, this and this and all of a sudden you started seeing Bertola's pizza boxes in the stands, the trash. And I was like, This is so cool. Right? It is it like, like a we made it? Yes, moment it you? was. <laughs> it was like this this cool deal. And and my favorite souvenir from the Superdome was, uh, and it's I got a picture in my office. It's uh, Brett Farb holding four Rotolo's pizzas. And he's got his jersey over his shoulder, and his wife's on one side, his agent's on the other he's walking off the floor of the dome, and he threw four interceptions in that game. And the caption was, he got a free pizza for every interception. And he's got Ooh. four Rotolo's pizzas. I was like, that is cool. So I got the picture framed in my office from the front page of the paper.
0: So that was, oh, so that the, pa- the paper, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that is.
1: And so it was just a really cool picture, and it, it just, that that was an aha moment, right? So th- there's some fun things like that. Um, you know, I got to do some stuff with the team and then had good access to them, but it wasn't. It was worth the investment and the money to launch and do what I it, was. it wasn't something you can maintain for a 20 year relationship. We just it, right. we don't have that kind of budget. Do yeah, that.
0: It just puts some serious stress and strain
1: yeah. on yeah. not only the budget but the crew. Yeah. And as soon as we got that, we took that, we ran with it, right? We got away from them and started opening stores, and um, here we are today. Yeah, good, wild. bad, and different. I don't yes. know.
0: Wildly successful still. Oh, you know? I hope so.
1: <laughs> so as we as we kind of start to get
0: towards the, the end of the show, um, we have a set list of questions. We call them the, uh, for the, for your show and thanks oh, to Scott, we right. call them the uh, the currency questions, you know? The currency questions. currency questions. Questions worth the big bucks, right? Appreciate it, Scott. So what is something, and I feel like I know the answer to this already just from sitting down with you for the last 45, 50 minutes. What is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today?
1: Trade bicycles.
0: Like tangibly uh, trading you know, bicycles? whatever. Um
1: I don't know. I mean I, I Or like I, like garage, like would you do like go back and do garage sales? No, I didn't I didn't do the garage sales. Uh but I definitely cut my grandparents' grass, their neighbors' grass, guy across the street, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, to make skate country money or to go get bicycle parts or I remember when when the when the bicycle shops went op- open by my house, I was like, This place is like a hundred bicycles, all in one place. It was you'd never heard of, right? <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But what I would want to do as a kid, I, I mean, all of it. I mean, just be young. And like, stay in the this, this serial entrepreneurial realm. Like, do a different
0: thing to make money every single day. No, but
1: just, just being young, it was fun. I mean, I've always, like I said I, 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 if I could do what I want and learn how to make a living at it, then that's, I'm as happy as can be. I don't need 100 stores or 500 stores to, to say this is my aha or I made it. Um, to me, it was when it was fun and I was like, this was cool. That was my aha
0: it's the uh the process over profit yeah i love that so what are three lessons you kind of learned over these past two and a half decades
1: i mean everything's a lesson there's no i don't think there's any one thing that stands out um obviously i i, I try to be as up to date on what the culture's doing um i think that's important to know which is evolution of craft and cross pivoting because brands are dying or they're growing they're never standing still um, and, I, and, I, and I get that from doing my own research, my own tutorials, my own ed- self-education, um, investing in people, right? So yeah, I'm sitting with you today. i got restaurants open in four states right now. Why? How? How is that happening, right? It's 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 the people that make the brand, that make the culture. Um, and uh, and uh, lastly, I mean, my team hears me say this all the time. It's like it doesn't matter how bad somebody does something to us. we just do the right thing. Things will come together. It'll work out. And so we just, I just have that philosophy. You just, you just do what you're supposed to do. And it will, you'll always get your share.
0: Yeah, it'll come back around. Absolutely, yeah. I love that. So, you moved here to Baton Rouge from New Orleans without knowing anybody, without even being here, really. So, within that, I'm sure. is that sure, unusual? Yeah, yeah. I would, I think so. <laughs> I don't think so. That's well, a problem. <laughs> well, I mean, and think so. Thinking back and. You know, thinking back to the the nineties, at the time, like you couldn't pull out an iPhone and put in Tigerland and have it take you there. Like no. you had to navigate the streets, ask for directions. Yeah. You had to interact with the city yeah, you had to, to get around. With people, yeah. And so the times have changed from that. And so within being here for that many years, what I mean, what do you love about Baton Rouge?
1: You know, like I said earlier, it's it's got so much potential. I love New Orleans because I grew up there and I get the culture. Um and a Lafayette's a totally different culture, you know. I married a Lafayette girl, grew up in Opelousas, so I, I mean, I love having that influence in our lives, but Baton Rouge is in the middle. It's a transit community. It's got a lot of, um, so the fact that it doesn't have as much as New Orleans and Lafayette, we don't take advantage of that. We look at it as oh, we don't have that, right? It's just the opposite. We we should be doing so much more with it because all those people live here. We have so much commerce here between State Capital, LSU, and all the major industry that's here. Um, I think Baton Rouge is just to me it was a good place to live. It was safe, secure. You didn't in New Orleans you have certain things you need to worry about when you're raising kids, raising a family and, and, and living your life. And those worries you don't have as much here in Baton Rouge. It was just seemed like a safer, easier going community. So we are that you get both by living in Baton Rouge. And and again, they got tremendous industry here. Right. That I don't think we tell enough people. Companies like Performance and Cajun and all these big contractors that are global contractors. some mass massive companies here. I mean, Bernhardt's done it three or four times, sold billion-dollar companies. So they all live right here in Baton Rouge. I mean, we we have a hub of big, big industry in Baton Rouge that people don't appreciate.
0: Yeah, and it needs to needs to be appreciated. Yeah. You know? So for the final question, what can I do to help you?
1: Hmm. Well, I appreciate this. This is fun. Uh, I appreciate you coming. I had no idea what I was walking into. I think I told you <laughs> that. So I said I do not know what, what was going to happen here today. Uh, it no, look, this was fun. you live up to it, your expectations? So. No, look, I, I I love what I do. Like I said, I, my story is, I think it's just normal. Some people think it's unique. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm personally fine. I really, there's not a whole lot that I could ask for from anybody right now. Um, But just pay it forward. Help other people who are just doing what they're doing. You know, I love what I do. And if people keep eating food and. You know, we keep doing what we're doing. We'll be fine. So I appreciate you letting me come in and spend some time with you. I appreciate you coming in and sitting down with us. You know, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm
0: I'm happy to get back in the saddle. And I think we had a great a great first episode. It's been of the a, it's year. been a
1: tough 18 months, but you know <laughs> we're 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 getting back to where we trying to get some normalcy. But um, yeah. COVID's been difficult. But yeah,
0: I mean, I think at this point, it's how do we work through it, right? Not
1: wait for the end. How do we adapt? Yeah, like if, if COVID, if, if if we didn't go out of business yet, it's we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I was really freaked out in the beginning of COVID. To be honest, when everything shut down, but uh, all the yeah, all the restaurants yeah, are shut it down. Was, it, it was really difficult time for people, um, people like me who were trying to figure out what do we do as a brand with all these people. Like, what do you do? It's like so that that was tough. But um, now I think we're hopefully on the backside of that. Hopefully, there's no more variants that come and disrupt our lives. But um, we'll see. Yeah, it's taking
0: one one step, one day at a time, right? Well, thank you so much, Mitch, for coming on. I appreciate your time, and I thank everybody else, whether you're listening to this or you're watching this. Um, I appreciate you. I know the guests do, and Baton Rouge as a whole does as well. You're able to see some amazing companies come through the studio this year. We've got a great lineup, and I'm excited for them to tell their stories and just get out there of how great and how much opportunity is here within our city. Um, big shout-out to Folia Focus Studio. Y'all, this is a legitimate studio. If you need a podcast and you want to do one, reach out to me, and I'll put you in touch with Barrett over here, and I'll see what they can work out. Also, big thanks to our two lovely sponsors of the show, Government Taco. They are right there on the corner of Jefferson and Government. They've got Thirsty Thursdays. where You can get, I think, half-price margaritas all day or something like that. Don't quote me on it. Just go there and say that you heard about it, and you're going to drink their margaritas. And also, Currency Bank, they are a local bank here in Baton Rouge, like we were talking on the episode, just opened up. I believe in 21, they opened their doors and are just crushing it if you are a business person and you need a business bank they are the bank for you and tell them that patty g sent you and with that guys we are wrapped up with season four episode one of the patty g show we're gonna be coming your way every tuesday this year we're excited for it and i hope y'all stick around hit that subscribe button whatever platform you're on also share the show and go eat some food at ratola's pizzeria and ratola's craft and crust tell them you heard about them on the patty g show and i'll be sure to take good care of you with that we're out